Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse here from the Hyundai Sports Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I am David Haw with Bruce Levine. We have one season, one week of the Major League Baseball season in the books here in Chicago and around Major League Baseball. Cubs sitting at four and three. The White Sox five hundred four and four. Bruce Levine. It has been a very fascinating week on both sides of town, some big picture developments, some really you know, kind of micro type of uh, things that have happened is giving us plenty to talk about, plenty to discuss, and plenty to write about from, uh, from our perspective. How are you doing, buddy? Good morning, David. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great having that first week in the books. And uh, it was um, a war uh, the first week for our Chicago Cub and White Sox fans, David. The war for the Cubs uh, to start scoring runs, which they finally did in Pittsburgh on Wednesday, on uh, Thursday. The uh, the war for the Chicago White Sox, right out of the the, the get go, uh, to uh, have to battle the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in a four game series that uh, bloodied both teams. It was uh, it was uh, you know a, like a mid season battle. So. Uh, I don't think we had any time to roll into it. It's just, uh, you know, it's baseball season. It's 162 games. And I think people are excited about the fact that we have a whole season ahead of us. Yeah, it's instant intensity. You want that kind of urgency in April if you can get it, because I think the Cubs have to get off to a good start. The White Sox, there are a lot of anticipation and expectation because of the team that they have put together turn of Tony La Russa. So there's a lot of intensity when you bring back baseball. It is a little bit, uh, uh, I, I suppose you made it sound like it was an MMA fight or something, but they did go <laughs> at it pretty good out in Anaheim, Bruce. There's a lot that has gone on. 312-644-6767. Let us know what you think. Call us, text us. Did you go to the ballpark? Did you feel okay at Guaranteed Rate Field? How did you feel at Wrigley? Did you stay away? And if you did, let us know why. What do you think about some developments on the north side and the south side, Bruce? 
just taking a step backward, looking at both sides of town, I think from my perspective, big picture wise, I wonder if obviously the White Sox defensively have struggled, the bullpen has struggled, and then they have the emergence of a guy like Yermin Mercedes, and that has been uh, something we have focused a lot on. Lance Lynn was the, the pitcher that you traded for him to be the other night, so I think the White Sox have some of those issues. And with the Cubs, starting rotation pretty solid. The reemergence of Craig Kimbrell could be huge for this team, and yet you wonder if they're going to have to ride their pitching because their offense is abysmal, and they are the worst-hitting team in the league right now as we, as we sit here this morning on this Saturday hitting 157 collectively. So big picture-wise, I think both teams have identified or revealed some of the, the, their flaws and their strengths in this first week. Those Cub uh, numbers are way up now, David, after the 11-hit attack on, uh, <laughs> on Wednesday. Come on. I mean, I, actually, it was Thursday. Uh, I, I keep getting this off day on Friday mixed up with uh, with other off days. Never, never Friday off days for both teams. So a little confused by that. But uh, you know, putting up 11 hits after you know having the worst uh, start of any team offensively in baseball, uh, that was pleasant. And I think the the shocking thing that I saw out of that was you had Rizzo, you had Bryant, and Baez all homer in a game. For the right. first time in over four years, um, it, I, I would have probably lost a bar bet uh, on four years since they've all homered in one game. But there you have it. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that, uh, you know, it has a tinge of irony to it because those are the three big names that are going to be looking at uh, free agency in the offseason and the, the consistent talk. All your all all winter and and uh, fall long about uh, whether they're going to sign or not or be here. Now it's just uh, baseball time and time yeah. to go out there and right. uh, and just play with your team. A tinge of irony, Bruce, but a touch of nostalgia. I mean, they homered with Jake Arrieta on the mound at PNC Park against the Pirates. Boy, it felt like 2015 for one hot minute there in in uh, watching the Cubs. And yet, I think what you saw from Jake Arrieta was encouraging but different. It was the guy that wasn't the over, over, uh, I think, overwhelming, intimidating, dominant 2015 or 2016 version. It was a guy with that veteran guile and moxie, as we say. And he had let a, a pirate base runner on each of the first five innings and yet got out of those jams and got his second victory. And so when you see Arietta pitch like that as the number two guy in this rotation and Zach Davies, who is going later today, pregame here on the score, 5 o'clock. you got the Cubs and the Pirates, Davies versus Keller. And you see Trevor Williams, Bruce, 2, 3, and 4 in that rotation. That's encouraging. This Cubs uh, ERA overall is the sixth best in baseball over the first week of the season. Kyle Hendricks looked like he is a guy that you recognize in his second start. Could this rotation be better than people anticipated? And could those guys in the middle of that staff – be be the ones that ultimately become the strength yeah look uh you know the arietta starts have been impressive even when he didn't look good in his second start he gave you six innings and he kept you in the ball game i mean that is that's impressive from a guy that used to be a power pitcher to a guy that just uh locates his pitch and lives with a sinker uh pinpoint control i mean he didn't necessarily have that but uh you know the guy you know shows ability to battle 
without 95, 96, 97 anymore uh, in his uh, in his tool bag. So from all of that, David, I, I think people should be encouraged about the Cubs rotation. Uh, is it going to be a sexy rotation, something that, you know, people are, uh, you know, puffing out their chest about all year? No, because they have to be pinpoint uh, to give you a good game every time out, and that's difficult to do. But you have the masters of uh, commanding the four quadrants in Hendricks, uh, in Davies. Now, uh, Arietta showing that he can do that. We see Williams on, a, on the way back to the form possibly that he in uh, 2018 when he won 14 games for the Pirates. So there's, there's some things to be encouraged about with the Cubs rotation. A lot of fun to see Trevor Williams' dad in the stands kind of chronicling every pitch, the former Cubs fan and usher, Rich Williams, who uh, is, is vowed to be at every game. And, and you saw that Marquee Sports Network did a nice job of talking to him. You know, David, shouldn't he, have been in a Andy, shouldn't he have been in an Andy Frame uniform? Uh, you <laughs> that know, would have been great. The, the yellow jacket, <laughs> right, Bruce? That would have been, that would have been <laughs> a lot of fun. I, I think that uh, – I think it was really, he was really honest about how he was still felt like a little league dad, and it's pretty cool because Trevor Williams went out there and and boy delivered. And you know we're going to talk to Tommy Hadovy at nine thirty. Looking forward to that conversation. What was it about the change or tweak in his approach that makes his slider so much more unhittable so far? I know it's a small sample size. Nobody wants to overreact. Uh, to one start but that is we are here for every day of this baseball season so we tend to do that a little bit Trevor Williams impressive no doubt about it and uh, just how important he knew it was not only for him restarting his career after two bad seasons in Pittsburgh but uh, how important it was to his dad you know that he went out there at Wrigley Field uh, his first start as a Cub and pitched well I mean that was that, that's what baseball is really all about. I mean, but we took it to a different level by watching a big league pitcher experience that fun with his family rather than just uh, you and me and, and Joe Fan out there experiencing the many generations of Chicago White Sox and Cub baseball uh, that have made us the fans that we are and that made Chicago the greatest baseball town in the world. Uh, those are the things that really mean a lot. And, and it's hard even for a guy that's been, uh, you know, through the wars for you know almost 40 years covering sports, it's hard not to get emotional about watching, you know, that transpire in the stands and seeing the uh, the reaction from the the pitcher and the family. Speaking of smart starting pitching, Bruce, and you go over to the south side, the home opener, the White Sox, on Thursday had to wait out a rain delay, and by that point, I think that every Sox fan felt a, a little fed up. They had watched their team kick the ball around defensively in the in the first uh, seven games of the season. They had seen their bullpen blow leads. That was supposed to be the best bullpen in baseball. They needed something to cling to, and if it wasn't a humane Mercedes 485-foot home run, it was Lance Lynn delivering the first complete game shutout. You don't see those anymore, Bruce. Complete game shutout, the first in the, in the home opener in 45 years this was the definition of workhorse. Lance Lynn relying heavily, and we'll get to this in a moment, heavily on that fastball, different variations of that fastball, shuts out the Royals and gives the Sox exactly what everybody wanted and needed to see. I love Lance Lynn because he looks like an old-school pitcher. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> he's just out there. Uh, you know, he's not the uh, most fit guy in the world, but he's a horse. I mean, he's, he's your farm boy type 
strong guy that'll just go out there and throw innings until they drag him off the field. That was impressive. Uh, It's been impressive to watch him. And like I said, just because he doesn't have that typical baseball svelte body of the normal uh, six foot five pitchers now, it makes me even like him more because he's just so old school about his approach. He just comes right at the strike zone. He fills it up with three different types of fastballs that he uses and he just he just dominated with that it was just fun to watch fun to watch Lance Lynn at work and our guy Matt Spiegel afternoon uh, co-host with the Parkinson Spiegel show unearthed this statistic of the 210 pitches that Lance Lynn has thrown in 2021 so far guess uh it said five of them five of them have been not a fastball every other uh, the other 205 out of 210 have been some variation of the fastball and and that tells you he doesn't mess around it also explains why he may be as durable as he is you kind of know what you're getting with Lance Lynn that's the good news and and I it doesn't become the bad news because even though people may understand they're getting a fastball they still can't hit it Right. Uh, by the way, we have an announcement. Uh, it appears the White Sox game is being postponed uh, tonight. So uh, we're getting word on that from the White Sox that uh, um, they have been postponed. This is official from the White Sox. We'll have more information about uh, yep. when it's going to be made up. But uh, with, with uh, imminent rains in the area for this evening, they have called it. Yep, breaking news here on the score, and we have the White Sox announced on their Twitter feed, social media, and otherwise today's game between the Sox and the Royals postponed due to the weather. It will be made up as part of a split doubleheader May 14th with the first game beginning at 110. So Dylan Cease gets another day uh, of rest. The White Sox get another day off after taking yesterday to kind of catch their breath. And so uh, today's game postponed, and everything gets moved back. I would imagine, Bruce, they're still going to likely start cease on Sunday if weather permitting uh, against the Royals. Yeah, might as well give everybody an extra day. I mean, I don't think you're going to skip cease at this point. So uh, uh, this is this is kind of a, a good thing for the White Sox, David, if you look at their schedule and realize that uh, yesterday's day off is the only one they had uh, for the first 19 games of the season. It's crazy, crazy scheduling for the White Sox, including those seven games starting on the road, coming home, no days off, and then now they're going to have two in a row. I think that's a, that's a good thing for them, that they can just so, uh, reset a little bit What here. about momentum, Bruce? I mean, what about the momentum? You're one not a game believer in momentum? momentum? Two-game momentum. Uh, well, they- no, actually one. But they, they won a game. They got the momentum. Now, yesterday, now, now there's not going to be any carryover from Thursday to Sunday. You're going to have to restart the engine all over again. Momentum is as good, David, as your next game's pitcher. See, I was setting you up. I was setting you up Thank because you that much. is the adage in baseball. Momentum is only as good. I followed it off initially, and I, I just hit this one 485. <laughs> Bruce, I could only throw you batting practice pitches <laughs> so often before, you know, you got to bring up the heart. The high hard stuff. Oh, speaking of that, we have a new segment we're going to introduce in the 10 o'clock hour. It's called Chin Music. It's called Chin Music because sometimes you just have to deliver a strong message, and we will look forward to seeing what we have to offer in the way of Chin Music in the 10 o'clock hour. 9.30, we're going to talk to Tommy Hadovy. Your phone call is 312-644-6767. We want to hear from you. Did you go out to the ballpark this week? What do you think about the first week for the White Sox 
and the Cubs. Let's start the conversation, Bruce. Let's go out to Mike in Glencoe, who has a question about White Sox pitching. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the score. Good morning, fellas. And even though the game is uh, postponed tonight, Bruce, my question relates to Dylan Cease. I think a lot of Sox fans uh, were frustrated with him last year. We heard all of the hype in spring training. There was that about him. We saw that uh, video uh, on Sox machine of uh, Ethan Katz uh, mentoring him in, in the uh, bullpen session. He looked fabulous. Then he comes out and he's the same guy we saw last year. How big and how important is uh, Cease's next start? And how long do you think the Sox will ride him before they decide he needs uh, more seasoning in the minors? Well, uh, thanks thanks for the call. And uh, David, uh, our, our, our good friend Steve Stone, who you hear on the score on a regular mm-hmm. basis, um, is a, a huge believer in Dylan Cease. I am as well because you see the unhittable stuff. You see the 98-mile-an-hour fastball. You see the uh, yeah. unhittable slider. But the, the command of the strike zone has been difficult. And uh, you see the frustration or you saw the frustration of Cease in past kind of walking around the mound and a kind of a you know, kind of a, a grim look on his face. Not Bob Grimm, our good friend who's retiring, but just a regular grim look on his face. And and it was it was indicative of a guy that really didn't have the confidence he needed uh, to go out there and, and be the pitcher that he can be. Uh, this is nothing against Don Cooper, who's one of the great pitching coaches of all time, but I think the, the new voice of uh, Katz as a pitching coach and uh, cleaning up a little bit of his mechanical stuff is what they feel is going to take uh, Cease to the next level. To answer Bruce, the question completely, David, go ahead. answer finish, finish, completely. Yeah, yeah, finish the answer. Uh, they have tremendous faith in Cease, and he's not going anywhere but staying in that rotation for now. I thought that what happened on, on, on Sunday night, his, his debut, I thought that maybe we had gotten past the 30-pitch the first innings. And, and maybe that was unrealistic to expect. I had hoped that he would come out and be more efficient and maybe be more of the guy that you have, it would, would, you'd see the growth from one season to the next. And that still could happen because I think the, there are high expectations. It, it was his first inning of his first start, but it was a familiar feeling of, of a little bit of frustration because he is capable of so much. I think that he could be a top-of-the-rotation guy because you see it. And, and you hear guys like Steve Stone, who aren't prone to hyperbole, describe it. And you, so you come to expect it. And when you don't see that consistency, you get a little frustrated. You hope that he can go more than four and two-thirds, and you don't have to come out because his pitch count has elevated, because he's lacked command and control. So we will continue to monitor uh, Dylan Cease and his progression, but I think he is a key guy in this rotation. That's a good phone call. Let's go back out, Bruce, to the BetQL listener line. Uh, Paul is in Valparaiso. Paul, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, you guys. Great show. Uh, a quick question. Uh, I know I've talked so much, and I know you've got Tommy Hadovy coming on, uh, about the Cubs pitching infrastructure and kind of how it's been so successful at maybe making guys that don't have the greatest stuff or, you know, on paper don't have the greatest velocity into really competitive pitchers and obviously still having a competitive staff. But my, my question is uh, probably more to Bruce, I guess, because you're around all the time, is, you know, what about the Cubs hitting infrastructure? I know they have Anthony Iaposi now, um, and and I think Theo probably screwed this up all along by having a new hitting coach every other year. Um, <laughs> but why, why do the guys in the prime of their career who have already won a World Series continue to, if not – 
markedly get worse, get worse every single year, and obviously we know what's happened in the playoffs. So that hitting infrastructure, I guess, is the question. And is it some, you know, a decent amount on the players because they just refuse yes. to make adjustments? It seems like they do the same thing over and over, and they're progressively getting worse when they're 29, 20, 30 years old. Thanks, yeah, Paul. You know, that's a really good question, David. Uh, I'll start with the, the, the last part of it first. Yeah, a lot of it is on the players. The adjustment has to be made. These are all-star players. These are World Series champion players. These are MVP players, Rookie of the Year players. These are guys that uh, have accomplished a lot in the game. So the adjustments on them, uh, they, as a group, got Chili Davis fired three years ago, okay? Uh, they didn't like his, his uh, bedside manner when it came to t- teaching hitting. And uh, you know what? Shame on them. Uh, you know, again, how much do you blame hitting instructors or hitting infrastructure as opposed to the player himself? Uh, with all the tools available to hitters right now, I'm more prone to go, this is a player adjustment, and it has to be done. We, we talk too much about infrastructures. We talk too much about hitting coaches. We don't talk enough about personal responsibility. I'm with you, Bruce. I think that you can only talk about the organizational approach to hitting so much, but if you're Javi Baez with two strikes, it doesn't make him change his approach necessarily because of something that a hitting coach told him, you know, in March in in, in Mesa. I, I, at some point in time, it does fall on the players' feet, especially when you're talking about the players who have consistently let you down. The players well, who are consistently letting the Cubs down uh, have been guys who – who they have had come and re- good reason to trust. Guys who were at the core of their championship run, the golden age of Cub baseball. That's a hard reality and maybe a, a truth that some people don't want to accept. But when you saw Brian Baez and Rizzo Homer in the same game the other day, it stood out because it hasn't happened very often, but also because all those guys have put themselves on the spot by not coming through in clutch situations in this early season. And too often, uh, in the past couple of years in, in similar spots. So I think you're exactly right to place it on the player more than the approach. And I think hitting coaches, they become easy scapegoats, Bruce. And we have so many examples here in Chicago to point to, but I don't always know if that's the fairest way to look at it. You know, I don't like people apologizing for them not getting something done. You know, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't like them using excuses like uh, Javi, you know, as much as, Javi depended on video and Javi depended on the fan base. Uh, it's upon it's all upon Javi to be a better player, okay? Use the other side, you know, hit the ball to the right side. Uh, when pe- men are in second and third, make sure you get that run in by the ball going another direction. Uh, you know, again, it sounds easy. I've never done it. So, uh, you know, people will say, well, what the hell do you know about it? I've watched you long <laughs> enough to know that this is a capable guy that can hit a fly ball to right field anytime he wants to or hit or drive ground ball, a ball to second base to get a run in. So when you see him take wild swings with men on second and third, you get a little frustrated because you know he is very capable of doing a lot more than that. Bruce, we're not all David Ross out there questioning your baseball acumen. Come on now. We give you a lot of credit. Well, some people at the station do. <laughs> All right, that is that is Bruce Levine. I am David Haw, and we are here until 11 o'clock inside the clubhouse. When we come back, Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hadovy here 
uh, will tell us about the first week uh, through the Cubs rotation and what has happened to Craig Kimbrell that has made him so unhittable again. Here, welcome inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Stocky veteran reliever fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three and the Cubs win the ball game. Craig Kimbrell was magnificent, and the Cubs beat the Pirates 5-2. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score Bruce Levine and I, David Haw, here until 11 o'clock. That was the voice of Pat Hughes calling Craig Kimbrell's five-out save the other day against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bruce, I don't know that he has looked any better in a Cub uniform, and I'm sure that was – a relief and and, uh, and not a surprise to the people who have kind of de- helped him develop and get back to that point of dominance. And we want to welcome in one of those guys now when we go out to the Alpamani Ford, uh, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park hotline. Tommy Hadavi, the pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs, nice enough to join us from Pittsburgh this morning for a few minutes. Tommy, great to have you on. David and I are pleased to be able to talk to you this morning. How are you? Hey, Tommy. Oh, absolutely, guys. Good morning. It's great to hear you, and hope you guys are having a great morning out there in Chicago. Yeah, we are. Uh, let's let's start with Kimbrell and work our way backwards uh, through uh, the, the other pitching that's uh, involved with the Chicago Cubs this year. What do you think the main difference for Kimbrell is right now? I mean, we're seeing that uh, that breaking ball that's much tighter in the zone that he's getting over early in counts. We're seeing a, a fastball like yesterday, which, uh, you know, looked like it was exploding up uh, like it was two or three years ago. What what exactly has been going on with him and what have you done uh, with him over the last couple of years? Well, it's it's been obviously it's been exciting to see him in the way he's he's kind of gotten back into his, his rhythm, really started at the kind of that second half of the season last year and then it's just carried over into spring and where he's at right now you know w- one thing we really uh try to do is is identify the the quality of of the pitch you know um whether it's his breaking ball or the fastball the type of movement that we want to create and and then kind of work backwards from there a lot of times when guys like craig has always had this writing um fastball with extreme life that is always played at the top of strike zone. And, and at times in, in the past that, that hasn't been there. It's been had more tailing action to it, if not even like sinking at times, just depending on how his hands coming through. And, and we try to identify why, you know, why is that 
causing that. And you kind of work backwards up the chain to find the mechanical flaws or, or cues or things that we want to work on to, to ultimately get your hand back to the position we want to. It's not as easy as saying um, your hand is, is a little tilted at release. We need it to be more vertical. Sometimes guys can make those adjustments quick. Other times it's, it's something going on up the chain. So what I've been seeing and, and what he's worked on a lot is just how well he kind of loads over the rubber um, staying back and, and kind of keeping that what we call like hip hip tilt, you know, driving toward the mound. And, and when he does that, everything fires at the same or, or at the right time or in the right sequences and his hands on time and the ball just explodes out of his hand. And, and there's a lot of times guys, when they don't have that, they try to create it and manufacture it. And, and when you do that, artificially sometimes you know you you change the the trajectory of the pitch or the type of movement it has so you know he's going through what he went through last year he worked through a lot of mechanical changes and a lot of things that we wanted to kind of like focus on and he knew all the metrics he wanted to hit by the end of the year we had we had hammered him with so much he he kind of knew what he wanted to do and where he needed to be on all the Rapsido machines and track man and all that stuff so Going into the offseason, he knew, okay, when I'm throwing my pens, even when I'm playing catch, this is where my hand needs to be, this is where my body needs to be. And it just kind of carried over um, with all the work that he's put in, you know, from last year through the offseason to this year. And the results speak for themselves, Tommy. Since August 14th, Craig Kimbrell, a 1.04 ERA, has faced 63 batters, struck out 35 of them, and has looked like the closer that uh, the Cubs you know, thought they were getting in June of 2019. He saved a game for... Jake Arrieta. And let's move on to to Jake because I think what he has shown in two starts this year, to me, I find fascinating because we see him on the mound in Pittsburgh and, and all of a sudden every Cub fan's mind goes back to 2015 where he was that guy, that dominant, overpowering right-hander on the, on the big victory against the Pirates in, in the playoff game. And yet he's a different pitcher. He put a runner on in each of the first five innings. The, the mound visits become sort of these things that have impact on Jake Arrieta. We saw that the other day. How would you describe the evolution of Arietta from the pitcher that we remember when he was dominant to the guy he is now who got himself maybe into jams but understood how to get out of them? Well, Jake's always been, you know, this, this physical presence on the mound and he always will be just the way he carries himself, the shape he's in and, and all the things he does, you know, he understands as his career has gone on, you know, the stuff that he had in, in 15 may not always be there all the time. And, and he has to understand, you know, um, what, what can help him get out of jams, the type of pitches he likes to use to different hitters and, and coming back to execution. If you look at, you know, Jake's career, even, you know, here in 15 and 16, like mechanically, those aren't the type of mechanics you would generally teach people, <laughs> you know, it's just so, it was so crossfire, um, deceptive, uh, almost like a jump off the mound toward the hitter and, and the time and to be able to time all that up to be that, to, to do that, you have to be extremely strong, extremely athletic and, and and to be able to repeat that at the level he did back then. So he understands over the last few years, you know, he's battled some injuries and some things that have kind of tweaked his mechanics um, in, in, a, in a tough way for him to be able to, you know, replicate success. So one thing we really focused on with him is just trying to get back to what makes him the best version of himself mechanically to try to, again, replicate those mechanics as much as we can and as closely as we can. And then, 
you know, once that happens, your hand starts hitting on time, you know, then the command usually comes into play. Jake's always been a guy that's thrived off of just movement in the strike zone. And, and whether that's at 95 or 91, 92, he can still have success doing that. Um, but being able to utilize the curveball more, I think the curveball has been a really good version, you know, probably even the best version that we've seen in terms of not only the shape of it, but how he can command it. Um, the cutter is always uh, such a nasty nasty pitch that plays off of that sinker that he throws and, and you know, mixing in the changeup when we need to, too. But again, you know, Jake's thrived off of swing and miss and off of weak contact. And, and even in that game yesterday, there was a lot of balls that, that weren't squared up, you know, especially in that inning where he actually gave up those two runs. Both of those balls that were hit were, were you know, kind of jam shot over the infield, um, you know, but that's that's who Jake is, and and he's going to keep going out there and giving you everything he has every five days, and and you know, again, there's going to be days where it's it sprays around, but you know, he's always had the ability to kind of make those adjustments and and get back into counts in in situations when he needs to. That's the voice of Tommy Hadovy, pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs, here on Inside the Clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine here with you every week talking baseball 52 weeks out of the year on the score from 9 to 11. Tommy, um, in general, you're a sinker-slider pitching staff, okay? We might take Alzelay out of the uh, equation, but um, with the advent over the last seven, eight years of launch angle, most people have stayed away from throwing sinkers or wanting sinker ball pitchers. Has anything changed? Has that philosophy changed? Um is it just about the quality and the shape of the pitch rather than uh, just generally talking about sinkers and not working in this type of era? Yeah, I think, you know, we, number one, um, we try to identify the strength of every one of our guys. We just have a, a pitching staff that their strength for the most part, especially in the starting side is, is the sinker. So, you know, to ask our guys now to say like, okay, hitters have a lower launch, you know, lower bat pass, higher launch angle. Now you can't throw your best pitch anymore. That's not the way we like to approach it. Um, It's more about where can we use the sinker? When can we use the sinker? Can we explore the height of it? I think you've seen over the last few years, especially Hendricks start to elevate that two seamer a little bit more Um, just because it's a, you know, classified as a sinker doesn't mean you can't throw it up in the strike zone and it's going to have movement. It's going to have life. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of our guys pitch in, you know, especially to righties with that two seamer, you know, there's, there's ways you can exploit that. And, and on top of that, we have guys that have great secondary stuff. And so, you know, yeah, I, ideally if you have a lot of low launch angle, uh, sorry, high launch angle, low bat path hitters you're facing, you'd like to have guys that can pitch above the strike zone. But again, you can get weak contact. Um, it's it, in, in our mind, it's not always about swing and miss. Swing and miss is great, absolutely, with especially with two strikes because it's a punch out. But if if you can get weak contact early in an account, early in a bat, we we like outs. That's a, that's the bottom line. That's one thing we talk about all the time is an out is is important so um we try to utilize the strength of all of our guys we don't ask them to do too much or do ask them to do things that they're not comfortable doing or or they're not their strengths and and you know we game plan a lot accordingly so yeah we're we're um we understand kind of where things are we're definitely going to throw probably more two seamers and sinkers than any team in baseball but 
doesn't mean there's not there's not a, a recipe for su- success in there if we if we do it the right way. Tommy, one of my favorite starts of the first week was Trevor Williams. He went out there, gave you six innings, uh, struck out six, and, and he comes over from the Pirates, and, and boy, that was an encouraging start. His dad was in the stands as well, and, and Marquee Sports Network, we talked about how they chronicled his emotions because he grew up a Cubs fan. He was an usher. He's from Chicago. He called himself a Little League dad, so I wondered if you had to go to him after you took him out of the game, his son, and explain <laughs> why you took him out when you did, but... In all seriousness, when you look at Trevor Williams, how much did the pitching lab and how much did maybe the mechanics and his slider is is something that if he can command it this year, looks like he can be that guy that he was in his debut in his first start. Boy, you really are onto something there. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we we targeted Trevor, you know, um, because of the success that he has had his ability to, to prove that when, when healthy, he can go out there and, and start every five days and, and, and compete and really have some, some success, you know, a couple things. And, and to Trevor's credit, like he's mentioned, like he had a good idea of what he wanted his focal point to be coming into 2021, just going through all the things he went through last year, a lot of the mechanical changes, things that were happening after he had kind of come back from that, you know, oblique injury and, and was, you know, was just, struggling to kind of find the timing of all the delivery. So when, when he mentioned kind of what his thoughts were and we had already kind of laid out our, you know, our presentation of kind of what, what we also were seeing and they, they aligned with each other. I think that just gave him the freedom to understand like, okay, we're all on the same page. We want to, what we want to do mechanically. Number one, let's go hit those checkpoints. And then, and then two, you know, one thing Trevor has always been able to do is, is utilize basically a four or five pitch mix. And, and for some reason, you know, again, could be, could be partially because he has a really good four seamer and, and we're in an area, you know, of the, the low launch angle, low bat path, high launch angle bat, you know, swing pass that, you know, for one reason or another, he kind of got away from throwing his two seamer and became much more like four seam slider, four seam curveball mix. And, and he's a guy like you saw the other day. I think it was about a, almost an even distribution of all five pitches that he throws: the four, two, change up, slider, and curveball. So, you know, his ability to do that and move the ball around is is something we absolutely want to take advantage of. And again, like we like all the weapons. <laughs> we don't want to take weapons away from guys because hitters are different, and and we understand what what his strengths are and what's going to make him successful, but. At the same time, when you have a guy that command the ball the way he does, you know, we, we should be able to utilize everything he does. Tommy be with us for a couple more minutes on the score. Tommy, one thing that's driven me nuts over the last 10 years, and it's probably just my age catching up to me, is uh, pitchers uh, getting to the major leagues without throwing enough innings, not, not showing that they can throw enough innings. Um, it's not the Cubs, so I'm going to point back to Alzalea, but – it's in general all over baseball. But uh, to me, the most significant thing that happened for the Chicago Cubs the first week of the season was Alzale throwing five innings and, and getting up to 70-odd pitches in his start because, uh, you know, here you got this, this wonderful arm and this kid that's willing, and he's never thrown any innings. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? What, what is the, uh, the, the, the clubs and David's thoughts about uh, getting Alzale in there and uh, that inning load. Yeah, I think you're you're right. 
you know, to, to talk about that, you know, that we're, we're getting to a point now, again, not, not necessarily the Cubs, but across baseball where you're getting guys that are coming to the big leagues out of options, <laughs> which is, which is crazy. You know, if you think about it, you know, get, get guys get added early on, you know, when they're rule five eligible and may not be as close as you think, but you want to protect them. And next thing you know, two years have gone by and you've used two options and now you're trying to make decisions on guys, you know, and then you add the fact that some guys get hurt Ad, advert added, you know, dealt with some injury, um, to, you know, issues over a couple of years. So, you know, right now, I think the best thing for him going through what he went through last year, um, he probably had as close to, I wouldn't say a normal season, but at least some feeling of what it would be like to come up, pitch a few games, get sent back down, go work on things, come back up, finish strong again. And, and he really learned a lot along the way. And then he took that into this offseason, spent a ton of time at our at our facility, you know, down in Arizona. He lives out there. Um we have Mike Borzello and Brad Mills both also live out in, in Arizona. I know they spent a ton of time, you know, when he was throwing his pen leading up to, um, you know, the spring training to just continue the work that we had put in and he had put in, you know, at the end of the year last year. And, and you know, obviously the innings are important, important to monitor, but I, it's, you can never really put a, a number on, on a guy. It's more about, you know, just watching him, watching how he recovers, trusting the conversations you have, trusting the information you're getting from the training staff, from the, the strength and conditioning staff of what they're seeing, and and really just, just being smart about what we're doing. But, again, like if we keep limiting guys, you know, let's say we say, okay, this year he can only hit X amount of innings. Well, then if you do that, then then the next year you're going to go off of what that, what that inning yeah. limit is. And so, you know, I, I think it's more about just – the communication between our, our organization and, and a pitcher like Adbert, making sure that we're we're doing the right things by him, but you know, and, and by our organization. But ultimately, like we're going to be a better organization when when Adbert gets to a point where you feel like Adbert has the reins off of him, and and that's what our ultimate goal should be. And and he's obviously has the stuff. Um, he's he's driven. He's hungry, and he's ready to go out and prove that he can do this you know, at a high level, yeah. you know, every five days. And, and we're excited to see it, you know, the Tommy, rest of the year. Uh, Tommy, my worst, my worst day uh, watching baseball was two years ago when Adbert threw uh, four good innings and came off the field and tipped his hat. I mean, uh, to <laughs> me, you know, and that's just a curmudgeon in me, you know. I mean, he pitched great, <laughs> yeah. but it was like, you know, that's, you know, that's one of the funniest, sad things I could see. And, and, and I love the kid. I love his ability. And I think he's going to be a good pitcher. But that just tells you all about what modern baseball can be all about right now. Great stuff, Tommy. Well, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great insight. Uh, Tommy Hottavy, the Cubs pitching coach here on Inside the Clubhouse and the score. Bruce, you are a curmudgeon. But I want to continue the conversation because Alzali's ascension affects Alec Mills in terms of a demotion. Is Alec Mills your backup closer or is he your sixth starter? Why isn't he the fifth starter? I think that those are things that we can explore when we come back next. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score, Bruce Levine and David Haw here until 11 o'clock. Bruce just had a good conversation with Tommy Hodder. He talked about the Cubs pitching rotation, the bullpen, and some other things that have happened 
he ended up talking about Alzali, and I think it's interesting because Alzali is the fifth starter. That meant Alec Mills was the odd man out. In the first week, Bruce, we have seen Alec Mills save a game because Craig Kimber wasn't available, pressed into action as an emergency closer, did a really good job, but then came back two days later, gave up a home run. I don't know if one is related to the other, but as you project this season, based on what you have seen so far, what is Alec Mills's role on this staff? He's the everyman. Uh, he's going to be uh, doing everything. And uh, I would say mostly middle guy. But uh, Ross has told me, you know, flat out when I asked about him, that there will be games that he starts this year. So they look at him as, as somebody that they trust in a lot of different roles, but not enough, David, to make him the fifth starter. They, you know, and there's other reasons, political too. Uh, like Tommy said, Alzale is. Uh, they were worried about him being out of options. He does have options now to go to the minor leagues. But, um, you know, they're going to see if uh, that 96-mile-an-hour uh, fastball works. So it's more about wanting Alzley to make it or break it, you know, rather than Mills being right. demoted. That's how I look at well, it. But you heard it in Alec Mills's voice when he talked about getting beaten out, and he's carrying that edge onto the mound. You wonder if that's a good thing. But you wonder how fair it is if he is a guy – heck – Bruce, before last night, he had the last no-hitter in MLB last September, and here he is, your six-starter emergency closer. You don't see closers with his kind of repertoire. Maybe it'll work, maybe not. We'll continue to talk about the Cubs. We'll continue to talk about the Sox. We'll continue to talk with you, 312-644-6767. Inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 